In the beginning of the parsha, we have the story of the three malachim coming to visit Avram and Sarah. In this pasuk, the pasuk says, "Vayomru loved malachim say to Avram, Aye, Sarah where is your wife Sarah?" And Rashi quotes from this pasuk the words, "Vayomru love they said to him, and he explains, "Nakud, there are dots on the letters Aleph Yud Vav in the word a love." Rashi says, we learned in a Baraiser, Rabbi Shimon Ben-Alazar teaches that every single time you have a situation where there are more letters in the word that don't have dots than the letters in the word that do have dots, we will expand, we will focus, we will learn something from those letters that don't have dots. In this case, where we have more letters that do have dots, we will focus on the letters that have dots. In other words, the letters that have dots are Aleph Yudvav, in the word Elav, that would, could also mean, Ayoy, where is he? So not only did the Malachim say to Avram, where is Sarah? But they also said, Ayoy, where is he? Implying they also asked Sarah, where is Avram? Rashi goes on and tells us, Lamadnu, this teaches us that a person comes to visit somewhere, he's a guest. He should ask, he should inquire about the welfare of the wife by the husband. And he should ask the, the wife about the husband. The husband about the wife, the wife about the husband. Then Rashi goes on and says something from Baba Metziah, as we will see later in the Sikha. The Rebbe asks a number of questions. Number one, Rashi seemingly is only explaining the word a love. The dots on the three letters, Aleph, Yud, Vav, and the word a love. Why then is Rashi also quoting the word Vayoimru, a love? Vayoimru. Second question. Rashi only brings the name of the one who said a particular explanation when it's going to help us understand the matter that we're discussing. What's being added over here by telling us that this rule about how many letters of a word have dots is being said by Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Question number three. This rule itself we really need to understand. Because seemingly whichever way, whichever amount of letters will have dots will end up with the same result. That is, why do we need to have more letters of the words having dots? In that way we will darshan, we will expound, we will learn something from those letters that have the dots. If the rule is also that in any case where there are more letters that don't have dots than letters that do have dots, we are going to be learning something from those letters that don't have dots. So in other words, it's enough to put a dot on the minority of the letters, and then we are going to be looking at the letters that don't have dots. In our case, put simply, in order to hint that we want to focus on the three letters, Aleph, Yud, Vav, Ayoy, seemingly it would have been enough to put one dot on the letter Lamed. We then are going to be darshaning the letters that don't have that dots because they are the majority. So we're going to be focusing on the three letters again, Aleph, Yud, Vav. So why is there a need to put dots on the three letters, Aleph, Yud, Vav, where you'll have the same result if you'll put a dot on the one letter Lamed? In addition to these questions on what Rashi had just said, there's another contradiction, there's another question as a contradiction with a later Rashi in the Parsha. In the story of Lot, the Pasuk says, when she lied down with him, when she had gotten up. Rashi says there's a dot on the word of Akuma to tell us that when she got up, Lot actually did know. So the Pasuk seems to be saying she didn't know, he didn't know. But Rashi says, because of the dot, it means he did know. That means the dot is coming to uproot the meaning of the Pasuk. The Pasuk says he didn't know. And Rashi is saying he did know. How does that fit with what Rashi says over here, that when there are dots, we're actually darshaning, we're expounding, we're focusing on those letters that have the dots. And we're understanding them to mean exactly what it says. 
Rashi goes on in the same Dibra Maschal and says, We say that really the Malachi Asharis knew where Sari Imenu was. Rather, it was ordered to, in order to bring out how Tzniyah's dick she was, that she isn't sort of right there with all of them, in order to endear her to her husband. Amr Rabbi Yosi Bar Chanina says it was in order to send her Koishal Bracha. They asked where she is in order to send her a cup from benching. The question, says the Rebbe, are as follows. Number one, these reasons, whether to endear her to her husband or to send her Koishal Bracha, are not an explanation on the word a love, on the dots of Aleph Yud Vav, which implies that he also has sorrow about Avram, rather it's an explanation of why they're asking, Aye, sorry, shtecha, where is sorrow? So Rashi seemingly should have written this as a separate Dibra Maskal and a separate Rashi, not in continuation with where the Rashi, where he's discussing the dots on the letters Aleph Yud Vav. The question is even more. This the Rashi brings from Bab Metziah that she was tzniyazdik, that she was modest, seems to be in contradiction to the beginning of Rashi, where Rashi says that the Asara wears Avram doesn't exactly seem very tzniyazdik. How is Rashi bringing these two things in one continuation? The Rebbe also asks why is it important for Rashi to say that all of this is coming from Bab Metziah? The Rebbe also wants to know why it's important to mention the Baal HaMaimer over here, Omar Rabbi Yosi Bar Another thing the Rebbe asks is, why are the Malachim sending from their Koshal Bracha? Again, seemingly this seems the opposite of Tzniyus. Why isn't Avram sending from his Koshal Bracha? The Rebbe also asks, Rashi gives over here three reasons of why the Malachim are asking where Sarah is. Number one, it's the right thing for a person when he comes as a guest to ask the husband about the wife. Number two, to let us know how Tzniyazdik she was. Number three, to send her Koshal Bracha. Why do we need to have three reasons? Why isn't one reason enough? Furthermore, seemingly we know exactly why they're asking. Rashi had told us earlier already that the reason, one of the reasons why they came, this shlichus was to let Sarah know that she's going to have a child. So simply the question of Aye Sarah Yishtecha could be they're asking where she is. They want to tell her the good news. And as Rashi, and the pastor goes further and says, Vayoymer the Malach says Sarah is going to have a child and Sarah heard this. So why does Rashi have to look for all sorts of reasons of why they're asking where Sarah is? Another question that Rebbe asks is, these three reasons that Rashi brings are three separate reasons that don't seem to have a connection to each other. Why does Rashi sh- say them all in one continuation, not even saying something like Dovar Acher or the like, which would separate these three reasons? The question is even stronger. In Mesech the Baba Metziah, according to our Girsah, the Gemara says, after saying the reason to endear her to her husband, it says, Rabbi Yosi Bar Omar, in order to send her Koshal Baracha. This expression, when you say the name first, Rabbi Yosi Bar and then Omar implies that there's an argument. Rabbi Yosi Bar is arguing on the previous reason. Rashi changes. Rashi says, instead of Rabbi Yosi Bar Omar, Rashi says, Omar Rabbi Yosi Bar which that implies when you say the word Omar first, that it's actually a continuation to the previous reason. Why is Rashi making it as if it's a continuation when seemingly it's a separate reason and even an argument on the previous reason? Says the Rebbe, the explanation of all of this goes as follows. What's bothering Rashi on the words Vayoymru love is, since simply as we said before, the reason that they would be asking about Sarah is in order to tell her the good news that she's going to have a child, the question becomes, this mission to tell Sarah the news was for one malach to do. As Rashi himself told us before, one of the malachim was coming to give Sarah the b'surah. 
And that's why the Pasuk says, Vayoymer, one Malach says, I will return to you and Sarah, in a year and Sarah will have a child. Vayoymer is in the singular. So why is it that over here it says Vayoymeru in the plural that they're all asking, Aye Sarah, where is Sarah? The Rebbe says this will also help us understand one of the questions we asked earlier why Rashi quotes in the Dibra HaMaschal Vayoymeru. Because that's exactly what's bothering Rashi. Why is it Vayoymeru? Why is it in the plural? Why are all the Malachim asking where she is? This is what Rashi is coming to answer by saying, Lamadnu, it's to teach us that a person comes as a guest, he should be asking the husband about the wife. In other words, since all the Malachim are asking, it cannot be just to tell her the good news, because that's what going to be only for one of the Malachim to do. And therefore the reason is, is because it's appropriate to ask the husband about the welfare of the wife. And since the Vayoymru in the plural, that's what's forcing us to say, that it's appropriate to ask the husband about the wife. So the same reason would apply both as well, that you should be asking the wife about the husband. So therefore, surely they would have asked Sarah also about where Avram is. So why doesn't the Pasuk say it? This is what Rashi says, that this is actually being hinted with the dots on the letters, Aleph Yud Vav, Ayoy, where is he? In the Pasuk, a love, in the word a love, in other words, that this is part of Pshutei Shomikra. Even though Rashi usually doesn't deal with the dots on the letters in many cases. Because in Rashi's opinion, this is part of understanding that just like they asked Avram about Sarah, it makes sense. They're also asking Sarah about Avram. And this is hinted in the dots on the letters Aleph Yudvav. The question, however, will be this idea of asking the husband about the wife and the wife about the husband and so, and so on is seemingly just a matter of seeking after the welfare and so on. So it's more a question of how they are rather than where they are. Why are the Malachim asking, Aye, Sarah, where is Sarah? This is why Rashi goes on and says, that in Baba it says that we have of here a few reasons. Number one, to endear her to Avram. Number two, to send her Kaisal Bracha. In other words, that the reason why they're asking Aye Sarah, why they're inquiring about Sarah, we know. It's because it's the polite thing to do. But why they're asking it as a question where she is, is for these particular reasons, either to emphasize that she's not here right now, in other words, she's modest, or to send her Kaisal Bracha. The Rebbe says, with this idea that Rashi brings, to bring out that she's modest, Rashi's also answering another issue, another question. Generally, when we have a word or a letter that has dots on it, it represents, it shows that in some way, this word or letters are going to be different than the other words. In what way is it different? If we're going to say that it's about removing the word, deleting the word, it's very difficult to say that. Why, why would it be written at all if we just want to delete it, if we want to remove it? So we must say that what the dot is doing is in some way making weaker, taking the emphasis off, making weaker that word or those letters that have the dots. Example, Rashi brings when Esav kisses Yaakov, he kisses him, Rashi says it has dots to tell us that he didn't kiss him with his whole heart. Even according to the Pshata, Rashi says that he did kiss him with his whole heart, it's still making the word weaker because in other words, it's not the regular Esav kiss. Esav surely didn't kiss him in the regular way because, in other words, according to a regular Esav, in, in, in what, what Esav really represents, because Esav naturally is soyne liyakov. So it couldn't be a proper Esav kiss. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, 
we have situations where the nekuda not only is it making it weaker, but sort of in a certain sense moving the whole word, not removing it, deleting it, but moving it. And this will be understood based on what we quoted before in the story of Lot. The Pasuk says, He didn't know and she lied down with him when she got up. Rashi says, The daughter of Ukuma is coming to tell us that when she got up, he actually did know. But again, it's not deleting it completely, rather moving the word in a certain sense. What does this mean? So the Rebbe says, let's look at the story of what happens by light. It says, He didn't know that she lied down with him, etc. Later on it says, on the next day, the daughters are making a plan to once again give light wine that night as well. The question is, if light already knows, then this trick is not going to work. How is it going to help giving him wine? He knows all about it already. Says the Rebbe, so the pshat over here is, when we say that when he got up, he knew, it only means that Lot knew. But the daughters of Lot still thought that Loyada, that he did not know. And therefore they are saying, Nashkenu Yayin, let us give him wine. In other words, the word of Bekuma that has the dot is true that it's being removed. In other words, that Lot is not knowing. But it's only as far as what the children think, what his daughters think that he doesn't know. So it is true, Vuloyada, that he doesn't know. In their mind, he doesn't know. But it's not a full Vuloyada. The Rebbe says, from all of this we understand in our case, that when we have the letters, Aleph, Yud, Vav, that have the dots in the word Elov, what it's showing is that the way they said, Ayoy, where is he, to sorrow, where is Avram, was not in the same way as the question, a love, that they asked Avram. In other words, again, Vayoimru, a love, they say to him, where is sorrow? They also, it's hinted here on the letters that have dots, and they also say to sorrow, where is Avram? But it wasn't with the same strength as they asked Avram about where sorrow is. This will actually help us understand one of the questions we had before, of why we need to have the dots on the three letters, Aleph, Yudvav, if you could have achieved the same thing by having the dot on the letter Lamed, because it's not only about, oh, now we know we should look at the letters Aleph Yud Vav. That could have been achieved either way. It's mainly coming to say that the letters that have the dots are becoming weaker than the rest of the word. And in other words, what it's coming to say over here is that the Ayoy, the way they're asking, where is he? Where is Avram? Is in a weaker way than they're asking Avram, where is Sarah? In what way is that? This will be understood based on what Rashi says from Baba Metziah to let us know that she was modest. Since Sarah was modest, it makes sense to say that the way they asked her about Avram was not in the same public fashion, open way, and all of that as it was when they spoke to Avram. In other words, it was in a more tzniyazdika way, in a weaker way than they asked Avram. Says the Rebbe, based on this, we'll understand that when Rashi brings from Baba Metziah that she was modest, it's not, not only not a contradiction to the fact that they ask Sarah about Avram, which we thought before. On the contrary, it's specifically that idea that she is sneezing is helping us understand why the letters Aleph Yudvav have dots to tell us that it's a weaker type of question. Says the Rebbe. Rashi then starts off speaking about that the Malachim really knew where Sarah was, but they wanted to emphasize how sneezing she was. But Rashi first says, Why does Rashi say this? is because this beginning, this rule of Rab Shimon ben Elozer about the dots, says also in Bereshis Rabbah, so Rashi is now telling us that the continuation is from Baba Metziah, but that these two things really very much complement each other and help each other out. 
And Rashi emphasizes and says, meaning to say that this idea that says that she was that she was modest, it's meaning it's a general statement being said, it's being said according to all opinions, that means it will even fit, first of all, with what Abshimim ben Elazar says, that they asked Sarah about Avram, as we just said, it was done in a modest way, it's also going to fit with the next period that Rabbi Yossi Barchanino says, that it was in order to bring Sen Kaishal Bracha, that that too was not in contradiction to the idea of Tzniyas, as we will soon see. Why does Rashi need the two Pirushim both, that she was Tzniyazdik, as well as Kaishal Bracha? Says the Rebbe, this idea to let Avram know that she is Tzniyazdik, is really not a good enough reason, or enough of a reason by itself, because Avram knew already that she is Tzniyazdik. And as Malachim, they surely knew that Avram knows. So in other words, they're only asking it to sort of bring it out a little bit more, to arouse, to bring out how his, his, the chavivus, that she, to endear her to him, which is something that was there anyways. And therefore Rashi says that the Malachim had another reason over here in order to send her Kaishal Bracha. But that itself wouldn't have been a good enough reason either, because if they know where she is, so they don't need to ask, Aye sorrow, where is she? In other words, all they need to do is, they just want to send her Kaishal Bracha, so they, and they know where she is, so why are they asking where she is? So Rashi says that the reason why they're saying, where is she, this is to highlight the idea that she's not here right now. In other words, Avram Avinu is going to have to answer and pay attention to the fact that she's not here right now, she's in the tent, that will bring out and emphasize the idea that she is modest. Another advantage in this idea, of the, in, the, in the explanation of sending her Kaishal Bracha over the reason that you that to notify and to bring out the Tzniyas, is because to bring out the Tzniyas, what's mainly relevant is only that she's not here. She's not in an open place with all of us right now. It's not so relevant, the point of where she actually is. She's Bo'oyal in the tent, the comments under the base means the famous tent. In other words, it's more a matter just of focusing, oh, she's not here right now. However, if it's about sending her the Kaishal Bracha, then it's really actually important exactly where she is, where we're going to send her the Kaishal Bracha. Now, we also asked before, why are the Malachim sending the Kaishal Bracha and not Avram? And the Rebbe says it's a very simple reason. Since Avram is the epitome of Achnas HaSorchim, he's the one that personifies Achnas HaSorchim in the greatest way. He is busy, completely busy, with serving the Malachim. The Pasuk says, He is standing and serving them, and only they are Vayechelu, they are eating. Avram Avinu is not eating, so he doesn't have Kaishal Bracha. This will also explain why this is not a contradiction to the Indian of Tzniyus, of her accepting the Kaishal Bracha, because there was no other way in this particular case of getting her Kaishal Bracha. It was only their Kaishal Bracha. His Kaishal Bracha is not available. Especially that it wouldn't have been given in a direct way, because as the expression that's brought over here is, it wasn't that they were giving her directly the Kaishal Bracha, they were sending her the Kaishal Bracha. That means it would have been sent not and given in a direct way. Says the Rebbe, the Ben Chamish Lamikra, if he's a Talmud Mumulach, an extra clever Talmud, he could still have a question and say, the bottom line is, Sarah's taking the Kaisal Bracha seems still not to be in an absolute way of Tzniyaz. And this is what Rashi is hinting by saying, Amr Rabbi Yaisi Barchanina, we wanted to know why he has to say who said it. Rabbi Yaisi Barchanina teaches us a Masechta Brachas. Ha'isha Makeres Bo'erchan, the woman, the wife, has a better understanding and recognition of the guests more than the husband. So the Rebbe, based on this, sorrow would have had a more of an appreciation and understand that the Orchim are not ordinary people. 
and therefore to take a shalbracha from such people, which at the very least are at least similar to Malachim, wouldn't have been an Indian that's opposite of Tznius. Says the Rebbe, we still need to understand, yes, it's true that all these three reasons we now understand are not in contradiction to each other. And it's possible that the Malachim could have meant all three things. We still need to understand there are three separate reasons. Why is Rashi writing them like one flow, one continuation, and not like what Rashi would usually do when he brings a few pirushim, even if they're not in contradiction to each other. Sometimes we need a pirush just to help complement for something that's a deficiency in another pirush. Rashi will still say, Dover Acher. says the Rebbe, the explanation is, that Rashi over here giving three reasons in one continuation is because these are actually all three reasons that were being used by each one of the three malachim. In other words, each malach was asking about sorrow, each one for a different reason. Similar to what Rashi said in the beginning of the parasha, that one malach doesn't do two missions. So here too, each malach is asking where sorrow is, and each one for a different reason. And for each one, one malach is enough. One is for sending the Kaishal Bracha. One Malach is enough for that, as we see by, always by Kaishal Bracha. The idea of asking in, 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 about the welfare of the spouse is also one Malach is enough to ask in the name of all of them. And so too, to endear Sarah to her husband Avram. Says the Rebbe, why is it important for Rashi to say that the rule about how many letters have dots is said by Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar? So the Rebbe says like this, this rule, when we say that there's more letters that have dots over the letters that don't have dots, and we're going to dash and we're going to expand on the letters that have dots, does not mean that we're going to take away the simple meaning of the word from its literal interpretation. Especially according to Rashi, we always try pshutesh mikra. That means the word is first of all going to have its simple explanation. But in addition to the simple explanation, we're also going to have uh, uh, the letters that have dots when they are part of a word, we're going to say, ah, oh, these dots represent that it's also as if they were a word for themselves in addition to that. Like in our case, we have a love, but there's also the ayoy. In other words, the letters that have dots, in our case, aleph yudvav, there are two aspects to them. Number one, they're part of the bigger word a love, which is a simple meaning, that they're speaking to Avraham. And in fact, in this case, they would be secondary. The Aleph Yudvav would actually be secondary to the Lamed. Because the Lamed, in a certain sense, is really the main letter of Elov, as the Rebbe points out in the Ha'ara of Eros. So what does Elov mean? Elov means to him. That's what the Lamed does. A Lamed itself really also means lit, to. So in other words, the Lamed is really the main letter. And in addition to that, you have the Aleph Yudvav, which are secondary in a certain sense. And then there's also how they, the letters Aleph Yudvav, make up a new word, Ayoy. Says the Rebbe, the Ben Chamesh Mikra will ask the following question if he's a Talmud Mamulach, if he's an extra smart child. And he's going to say like this These letters, Aleph Yudvav, which have the dots, and they are more than the letter Lamed, how does it make sense? And as we said before, they also represent a whole word for themselves, Ayoy. How does it make sense? that they should be tuffel, they should be secondary to the Lamed. We said in the simple interpretation of the word a love, the Lamed would really mean the main word, and Aleph Yudvav, which really again on its own could mean so much, and yet in its main interpretation, in the word a love, the Aleph Yudvav are only secondary. Says the Rebbe, this is what Rashi is coming to explain by telling us that this rule that we darshan those letters with the dots is being said by Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar teaches him a Sechtebeya. We know that a person on Yom Tif is only supposed to cook that which he needs. 
So Rabbi Shem Ben-Alaza says, a woman is allowed to fill up a whole oven filled with bread because the bread will be baked better when the oven is full. That means, even though that for Yom Tov she might only need one loaf of bread, she could fill up the whole oven with bread so that she's reducing the amount of air, oxygen, in the oven. And the bread will then be baked better the one that she does need. What do we see from here? That according to Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, we can have a huge amount of bread in quantity, and they're all going to be secondary to the one bread, which is what she needs. In a similar way over here, the three letters, Aluf Yudvav, could be toffel even to the one letter lament. The Rebbe concludes with Yenishal Torah and Rashi. A person might consider the time that he spends for Torah and mitzvahs, that in quantity, it seems to be a very small amount of time compared to the majority of time that he's spending on eating, drinking, sleeping, business, divri harashus, mundane things. A person could start feeling a little bit down because of it, feeling bad, thinking there's such a big void, there's so much empty space of Torah and mitzvahs. Here comes the Hira. If the divri harashus that he's doing are shame shamayim, then they're no longer divrei harishos. They are becoming secondary, part of the Torah and mitzvahs. Similar to the woman filling up her whole oven full with bread. That is, even though Yom Tev, you're only allowed to do malachis that are needed for Yom Tev. But now, what happens over here? The whole oven of bread is there in order for that one bread that you're going to need for Yom Tev to be done properly. In other words, so all of this is now becoming Yom Tevdik, and all of that whole space of the oven is only being is filled is being filled up not with weekday and mundane things. It's all becoming yomtiv. It's all for the purpose of yomtiv. Says the Rebbe the same thing over here. When a person does his divri arishus for Torah and mitzvahs generally, specifically for the Indian of bread, bread we know is the Indian of Torah. That is, bread should be baked properly. The Rebbe brings a pirush from Lakute Torah. The pasuk says this is in the Torah and the rebuke, but the Rebbe explains it. I'll this in a different way. The Pesach says, Ten women will be baking their breads in one oven. The Altarebbe explains that the bread of Torah needs to be baked with a fire, with a warmth, with a passion of an Ava that comes with the Hezboinunus of Echad, of the one Hashem. Says the Rebbe, when a person does all of these in Yonim, that all of his Divri Arashus are all for the purpose of his Torah and mitzvahs, and specifically for his bread, for his Torah to be baked properly. So then it says, the Rambam says, Hashem that means that he is always serving the Abishra, even when he's doing business, even when he's sleeping. His sleep becomes an avoided to Hashem. He's, his everything, every aspect, even the lowest of them, is all becoming part of, of his avoided Hashem. And of course we know this is the whole purpose of Briyas Oilomois. To make a diroloi yizbarach betachtoinim, as it's explained at length in the Hemshech of Tafresh Samachvav, of the Rebbe Nishmos Eden, whose Yom Eledes is this Shabbos Kodesh, when the Rebbe was saying the Sicha, and of course that's Chav Cheshven, and this becomes a Achana Kreva to the time, and we won't need to have the union of baking, because as the Gemara said, in the future when Mashiach comes, Eretz Yisrael will produce baked rolls, uklei milas and woolen clothes, but v'yas Mashiach Tzedkeinu b'karev mamash.